Hey Rockbridge, my name is Matt. I want to welcome you wherever you've gathered, any of our campuses across Northwest Georgia and the Tennessee Valley. So we shout out and say hello to uh, Hickson and Cleveland, Chatsworth, Ringgold, Dalton, and Calhoun. Glad that you have joined us, sharing with us during our summer message series called Road Trip. And we've just been going through the Bible and seeing how people traveled and journeyed and were moved or were moving with God. And kind of finding ourselves in those stories because all of us are on some kind of journey or about to be on a journey or in a holding pattern before we get to our destination. And so we've been navigating and talking through that. And I don't know about you, but there's like an inevitable part of every road trip. And it's just kind of, it's just bound to happen. And, and, and that's like a disagreement with the driver, right? Where if you're not driving and you think you should be driving or, or you, the driver does something wrong, he, he goes too fast, tailgates, takes a wrong turn, gets lost, what Whatever. And so you have this disagreement or you have this tension in the vehicle or this tension in the car because you thought we should have been there by now. He should drive, he or she should drive differently. And, and I don't know if this has even happened to you. Sometimes have you ever disagreed with your GPS or your maps you know, app in your car on your smartphone? You're like, oh, that doesn't look right. And you've got this tension with technology, right? Because we all sort of think deep down, don't we? We sort of think this, right? If I were driving the whole time, things would just be better, right? I mean, just, just, I mean, we're in church, let's be honest, right? If I could stay awake the whole time, if I didn't get stiff in my legs or whatever, I, we would be, it would be better, it'd be safer, it'd be quicker, whatever your definition of better is, it'd just be better, you know, if you took the wheel. And so, if you've been at Rockbridge, you hear me talk a lot, and I make this saying, well, give Jesus the steering wheel of your life. That's like a picture of discipleship, becoming a student, a follower of Jesus, the picture of what happened in salvation, where you surrender to Jesus. And, and so, if, if we give Jesus the wheel, I'll just tell you this, there's going to be tension at some point. And so, here's the question we're going to wrestle with together. What happens when we just don't agree with God on our road trip? And again, I just want you to be honest. Don't be super spiritual. Oh, that would never happen with me. No, don't, don't do that. I mean, let's be honest. God gave us a brain. God gave us the ability to choose. God gave us the ability to think and to reason. God gave you and I the ability to assign value. God gave you and I the ability to choose left or right, you know, eat the fruit or not eat the fruit, right? I mean, it goes all the way back. We have these capacities. So, so part of that is it's sort of inevitable that we would just kind of say, oh, well, God, I think if I had the wheel, it would have been, we'd have been there by now. It would have been different by now. So you and I are going to have this tension moment with God if we give God the steering wheel of our lives. Some of you have the tension moment. You're not yet a Christian, and you're here kicking the tires, so to speak, and you're like, what if I give God the steering wheel of my life? And there's tension about that because you're not sure if you do agree with God about the direction your life would take or would need to take if you surrendered and gave your life to him. All of that's just part of the equation. And, and, and it's somewhat predictable when you bump into a Bible verse like Isaiah 55, 8, 9, where it says this, for my thoughts, this is God speaking through his prophet, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. So God's already said, hey, the way you would get from point A to point B ain't the way I would drive the vehicle. And so the way you think about the trip is not the way that I think about the trip. It continues. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so God's in heaven above the earth, right? Bigger, massive, more glorious, wiser, all that. So my ways are higher than your ways. 
And my thoughts are higher than, that's the implied statement, my thoughts than your thoughts. And so all that simply means is God has a way of looking at things and we aren't going to be able to figure it out all the time. It's going to look different. It's going to feel weird. It's going to feel tense. It's going to be awkward. The way God is going to drive your life, if you let him, if you give him that proverbial steering wheel of your vehicle, you're going to have a disagreement. You're going to have attention because he's God and I'm not. He's God and you're not. Uh, because you can think and you're going to think differently than God thinks and the ways you would choose versus the way he would choose. So there's just going to be tension in the vehicle. There's just going to be some inevitable tension on the trip. So I just want to talk for a few minutes with you in God's word about what do you do with the tension? Where does it come from? What do you do with it? Why did God even design it that way? I mean, God could have just sort of made it where we're like, okay, and we just say yes and just go, but there's something in the tension that's designed by God. If you have your Bibles, uh, you're welcome to turn them on or open them up. We're going to be in the book of Exodus. We're kind of still navigating in and out of the promised land of, of getting out of Egypt and getting moving toward the promised land. Last week, we were sort of crossing the Jordan. This week, we're going to go b- before that chronologically, and we're out of Egypt. The Jews have been liberated from Egypt, and they're navigating and moving away from Egypt toward the promised land, which is where God told uh, uh, <clears throat> Jacob and Joseph and Isaac and Abraham, that's where everything was going to get back to that, that land, that, what we call Israel. And, and so they're on that journey. They've just come out of Egypt. And then we get a tense moment because it's just inevitable. Here we go. When Pharaoh let the people go, Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, God did not lead them along the road to the land of the Philistines, even though it was nearby. Or it was shorter. Now, you, you, you've been there, right? You, you know, you're driving down. Your wife's driving. Guys, uh, we think we can drive better than anybody, right? Your wife's driving. You're like, why didn't you turn there? Well, I want to go this way. Why, it was quicker this way, right? Because for, for men, it's all about getting there quicker, right? You know, on the trip to Florida, it's like, hey, we're stopping for the bathroom one time. We've got empty cups for the rest of the way. Let's get there, right? I mean, that's how we roll with it, isn't it, guys? And it makes sense to us that why don't we take the closer, why don't we, you know, why don't we go the shorter way? Why don't we go up here and get there quicker? That just makes sense. For God said, now God's got his reasons, and, and we get this, the mind of God revealed here through Moses as he's recording this story. God said, well, the people will change their minds and return to Egypt. They'll want to go back to the place they cried out to me to get out of. Remember, the, go back to Exodus you know, 1 and 2. They're like, hey, God, get us out of here. And God said, look, if we go the shortcut way, if we go the fastest way, then they're going to they're gonna bump in to the Philistines, and the Philistines are some bad warriors. I mean, they can, they can fight, and we'll get into them with David on down the road and Saul and, and Samuel and all of that. But they're like, hey, they're, they're not ready to face war. If they face war, they'd rather go back and be the enslaved people in a land of idolatry than keep moving forward with me as the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God that I am. And so he led the people around the long way, the roundabout way, toward the Red Sea. So, 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 God, so God, you just beat Pharaoh with your ten plagues, and you're not, we're not going to fight the Philistines, and we're going to go, and, then, and between us and the Promised Land is going to be an ocean, more or less. It's going to be the Red Sea along the road of the wilderness. And, and, but then it gets even more interesting, the story, and the Israelites left the land of Egypt in battle formation. Now, isn't it ironic? Look, 
God says they're not ready to face war. They're not ready to have to fight. They're not battle-hardened guys and ladies. They haven't trained. They haven't assembled. But what do they go out? They go out in battle formation as if to say, we can fight. We can fight. So God kind of knows them better than they know themselves. And God knows what they can and cannot face. And God knows where he wants to get them. And even though it's shorter and even though it's quicker and even though it makes sense and all that to go up by the Philistines instead of go around by the Red Sea, God reroutes them and redirects them. And here's the tension. And this is where we don't, it's hard to agree with God. Because look what God does. Just in those two verses, here's what he does. He goes against common sense, which way is the fastest, I mean, the straightest distance between, the, 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 the quickest distance between two points is a straight line. He goes against that common sense. We've heard it. We've navigated by it. We've all chosen 75 to get to Atlanta, not 41, right? And he goes against their self-perception. Their self-perception is, let's get in battle formation because we can fight. God said, no, you can't fight. You can't face war. You face war, you're going back to slavery. You'd rather be in slavery than face war. You just don't know that about yourself. So is it possible, listen, and this is the tension, is it possible that God's ways, because his ways are not our ways and his ways are higher than our ways, is it possible that God's ways would not make sense to you and I? Is it possible that God's ways would defy common sense that you sitting down with your calculator and your spreadsheet and your plus and your minus column and the way in the pros and way in the cons and however you make decisions, is it possible that God would lead you something contradictory to your logic, to your understanding, to your mental capacities? Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's take another step. Is it possible that the way you see yourself and the way you see your situation, your self-perception of who you are, how mature you are, how competent you are, how capable you are, how you ought to act in any given situation, and you think you're ready to fight, and God says, no, you're not ready to fight. Is it possible that God could take you somewhere that defies who you think you are or who you think you ought to be or what you think you're ready for? in this season, in this moment? Absolutely. And then what do we have when those two things happen? And either of these two things cause what? Tension. I don't agree, God. I think I'm ready for marriage. I don't agree, God. I think this way makes more sense than the way you're leading me, than the way your word says. I mean, do it all. we can talk about God's will for your money, which is not your money, it's his money. And God says be, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Like, no, 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 no. I've been watching TV, I've been watching People magazine. It's more blessed to receive than to give. That's the message of culture, right? Well, it defies common sense. We can talk about God and sexuality, God and sex. And, you know, everybody's like, no, two consenting adults. It's all love. It's all good. It'll defy your common sense. It'll defy cultural sense. It'll defy your self-perception. I'm 16. I'm ready. I'm 13. He loves me. I love him. We're ready. Nope. Right? I mean, it happens all the time. And we can go on and on and on and on. And I can tell you this story. And I've told you some of you this story of when God called us to start Rockbridge Community Church. Whoo! No common sense involved in that one. None. 
I mean, they thought I, and then when I was telling the Navy, my Navy commander what we were going to do, <laughs> I think he thought I had five heads and none of them were working, right? Uh, so it will go against common sense and self-perception. And this is where we bump into an attribute of God, where, we, where God is all-knowing, which another way we say that is he's omniscient. And so here's what that means, and this is the tension. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows you better than you know yourself. You've got blind spots. God has none. God knows your past, your present, your future. And so you bump into this tension, this battleground with God. Now, let's talk about it in our context, right? We live in an era that where information is readily available. We live in an era where increasingly you don't necessarily have to go to an expert to get information. You can go online and get it yourself. Right? I mean, it's WebMD, right? I mean, there, there, you know, it used to be you had to ask the preacher everything. Now you can Google and take your chances. And, and so there's this battle line between us and God. You know, science, we, we all, science can solve everything and science can figure everything out. So it's all about information and it's access to information. And, and, and God doesn't always give information. He gives revelation. Which revelation is something you would not know unless God told you. Or just spoke it. Or just said it. And, and so we've got this battlefront between us and God. And, and, and the battle line is even stronger in our culture today. Where science and culture and the internet and the information age all align here. And then you have God over here. And, and, people, and then people look at God like, well, God's so yesterday. God's so outdated. You know, maybe he's a higher power. Maybe he got this whole thing going. But he, I mean, really, in this book, the Bible that was written all this time ago. And, and we're just so tempted to just discard it and say, God, in reality, I know how to drive better than you do. And, and, and we just take, and when there's tension, we take the will. Or where there's tension, we won't give God the will. Because we know better. The story continues. So what happens next is Pharaoh decides, well, I shouldn't have let the people go. So he musters his chariots and his armies, and he, he says, I'm going to go get them back. I'm going to go take back my slaves. I'm going to take back my people. Now, I should have had a map to show up here, but what happens is they get themselves, proverbially, Israel, between a rock and a hard place. And God led them there. God led them where in front of them is the Red Sea. There's a wilderness all around them, hard to move millions of people in a wilderness. And then on the path coming toward them or the road coming toward them is the superpower army of Pharaoh. Hey, God, thanks. Appreciate that, God. And so look what they say. Look what happens. It's, it's inevitable. Here's the tension. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians coming after them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord for help. And then they turn on Moses, their leader. They said to Moses, Is it because there's no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? What, what, what map are you following? And then isn't this what we told you in Egypt? Have you ever done that? I told you so. I knew it. I knew better than you. I can drive better than you. If you had only listened to me. Now when you do that with God, you're putting yourself on the throne saying, God, I know you're all-knowing. Whatever. 
I know better in this situation. I know better how to do my finances. I know better how to do my career. I know better how to do marriage. I know better how to do sex. I know better how to handle my money. You just take any, I know better how to manage my tongue. I know better, I know better, I know better. And look what they said, leave us alone. Why? We told you leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. We would rather be a slave to them than a follower of God. Now, let's take it to the New Testament. You know, in the New Testament, we're called a slave of God. That we're so obedient to God. So there's a tension, right? We're going to be a slave to something. They're like, we'll take Egypt. And then here's the phrase, it would have been better. What would have been better? If you did it my way. I told you so. It would have been better... For us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, here's the tension. To highlight the tension is it's better for us. For us. And what that means is when you and I are making a determination about what seems better, it's often what what is more familiar to us what is more controllable by us, and what is more comfortable to us. And what we think, listen to me, listen, this is so huge in our culture today. We think if it's God, if God is calling the shots, if God is with us, if God is for us, if God is not against us, then God is going to lead us in areas that are familiar to us, controllable by us, and comfortable for us. And what I, want you to, what I want you to hear me say is this. That is a surefire way to recognize that it's absolutely not God who's with you or who's leading you or who's guiding you. Why? Because his ways are not your ways. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher than the ways I would invent or I would think. So, so there's a deception that's occurred. And the deception is God will do what's familiar, controllable, and comfortable to us. But the Bible says it's going to be ways we can't, that we aren't familiar, where we aren't in control, that don't feel comfortable. And what you begin to realize is there's actually a false faith that can be developed in our spirit where we think we're good with God or we think we're walking with God or we might even think God's got the steering wheel because God surely wouldn't take us anywhere unfamiliar, uncontrollable, and uncomfortable. So our faith starts to look like this. We have a make sense to me faith. Hey, that makes sense to me. And so if it makes sense to me, and I think I'm right, well, then that's got to be God. Because God would never do something that didn't make sense to me. Well, he just did in the story. You ever think about in the Garden of Eden? I'm studying this a little bit right now. You ever think about in the Garden of Eden, why did God give that particular command? Don't eat one particular piece of fruit from one particular tree. What's wrong with eating fruit? I mean, vegans eat fruit for crying out loud, right? I mean, nothing wrong. What's wrong with eating fruit, Eve? What's wrong with eating fruit, Adam? Why didn't God say this? Hey, here's the one rule. And this would make sense to us. 
Adam and Eve, just don't kill each other. That's the rule, right? I mean, that's sort of, but, but that makes sense. You don't have to trust God to not kill your wife, not kill your husband. I mean, that, does, that, that requires nothing, but okay, I agree with that. I don't want to hurt Eve. She's the only one I got right now. I need her. And Eve's like, yeah, he's the only guy on the planet. I'll take him, you know. He's the last train out of Singlefield. I'm on that train, God. I'm not going to hurt him, you know. And, and, and so God comes up with a command where they have no choice but to trust God simply because God says so. Some of you face situations like that right now. Is it enough for you to agree with God just because God says so? And there's efforts to change the Word of God. Let's change what the Word of God says about homosexuality. Have integrity for crying out loud. Just come out and say, I just don't believe God. Don't change His Word. There, there, there's efforts. That, well, maybe, maybe, maybe these verses were, were, maybe they're so yesterday verse. No, don't, no, 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 no. Makes sense to me. Sometimes it won't. That's the tension. And there's another false faith that emerges. Circumstantial faith. Circumstantial faith is, hey, if life is good, then God is good, and I'm good with God. If life is bad, then I'm not sure about God, and I need to take the will from God. And I'll be God for a while. So there's circumstantial faith. And what you see in this story is God saying basically through the circumstances, through the events, through his words of the story, here's what God is saying to Israel. I don't want you to have, and it will never work because my ways are not your ways. I'm God, you're not. I don't want you to have a make sense to me faith. I don't want you to have a faith that says, oh, let's go the short way. That's got to be God because he's going to take us the quickest route there. No, no, no. His ways are not our ways. And then there's God saying, hey, I don't want you to have a circumstantial faith. I want you to have a faith that trusts me with the Red Sea in front of you and the armies of Egypt coming after you, and you got no choice. That's the kind of faith I want you to have. That's the purpose, and that's the deal of going on, what's going on and what's at stake in the tension. So the people are ready to abandon God, go back to Egypt. Abandon Moses. Say, hey, we knew better. We told you so. Because what you did doesn't make sense to me. Because if it made sense, we wouldn't be in these circumstances. We wouldn't be in this predicament right now. I mean, feel the tension. Feel it. Feel the tension between Israel and God. And you feel the tension. You've lived the tension. Some of you are in the tension right now. And it makes a huge difference of what you do with the tension. Will you trust God even when it doesn't make sense? Will you trust God when culture and circumstances seemingly move away from what God says is true? And then Moses steps up and he delivers the word. And he said to the people, he said, don't be afraid. Stand firm and see the Lord's salvation that he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you must just be quiet. 
You ever wish you could tell the guy riding shotgun, just be quiet, trust me. Quit worrying, I've got it. That's what God says to the people. Look, I'm all-knowing, you're not. I'm God, you're not. My ways aren't your ways. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. So there's going to be disagreement. There's going to be tension. And what I want you to put in the tension is I just want you to put trust that you'll watch what I will do that you are incapable of doing. Because see, here's the deal. Here's the deal. To win is to trust God. You trust God, you win. No, 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 Listen. Notice I didn't say believe in God. A lot of people believe in God without ever believing God. Or they believe in God but never trust God. Salvation is not, oh, I believe in a God or I believe in the God of the Bible. Salvation is I am willing to trust the God of the Bible or I will give him the steering wheel of my life and trust in the tensions of my life. But listen... If you trust God, something has to lose. You know what it could be? The power of your fear. The power of your self-perception. Your own understanding. my, My life verse is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on my own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, here's what that verse tells me. If I trust in God, I have to lose to my own understanding. My ways aren't his ways. My thoughts aren't his thoughts. I can't comprehend an all-knowing God. So to to win is to trust God, but something has to lose. Now, take this a step further. This is, becomes a picture of what it means to become saved and to be a Christ follower. Because here's what we want. We, we think we can save ourselves. We think, hey, if, if, there, you know, if, if there's a good God, good place, I'll be a good person, I'll go there. Or we think all, God, all roads lead to the promised land. We can go up by the Philistine way. We can go, we, we, all roads will get us there. And guys, no, there's one way. And it's the way of the cross. And when we look at the cross, we see the ugliness of our sin. There's no goodness in us to get us to union with God and eternal life with God. There's no goodness. It's ugly sin. It's what your sin looks like. Remember the Israelites, they thought they were ready for battle. They thought they could contribute to their own salvation. We can fight. We can handle this battle up here with the Philistines. God's like, no, you can't. You and I can't contribute anything to our salvation. Just be quiet. And look what God does. What I would say to some of you today is just be quiet. And look at the cross of Jesus Christ. He hung there for you. He died there instead of you. He took all your pride, your sins, all those times when you wanted the steering wheel, when you took the steering wheel, when you kicked him out of the car with you. He took all that punishment, all of that. And all he says is look at me and be saved. Trust in me. Don't trust in yourself. Trust in me. Don't trust in your understanding. Trust in me. Don't trust in your religious mechanisms. Trust in me and you'll be saved. But something has to lose. Your pride, your understanding, your sense of goodness, something has to lose. But we trust. We win. The second thing you see in the story is something beautiful. 
Places of darkness becomes pla- become places of breakthrough light. Places where we think it's dark and the lights have gone out. Places where we think there is no evidence of God. There's no evidence of good. There's no evidence of God being all powerful. There's a big sea in front of us and an incredibly powerful army coming up our rear. And then what does God do? Jesus, we think he's the Messiah, but he just got put into a grave and they just rolled about a thousand pound stone in front of it. It's dark and all the world went dark. Earthquake and the sun was covered up dark. And what does God do? He makes a way where there was no way. He parts the Red Sea and then for thousands of years, the Jews would look back at what was a place of darkness, but became a place of trust, and trust brought breakthrough light, the power of God. And what do we do as Christians? We look back on Good Friday, which is a place of darkness, where our Savior, the God-man, was placed inside a tomb, and they rolled a stone and put guards in front of it and said, He's dead. He's gone. This thing called Jesus is over. And then three days later, that rock was rolled away and Jesus was alive, verifying he's the son of God. He is the victor over the dark domain. He is the light of the world. Trust him. Trust him. And so we then go to this lesson, which is don't forget in the dark what God showed you in the light. There were times in Israel's history when all they had to go by was, hey, God delivered us then, Red Sea, he'll deliver us now. There's times in your walk with Jesus where you have to look back and say, God conquered the grave. He's got all this and working it out for my eternal and ultimate good. Don't forget in the dark what God showed us in the light. And then the beautiful thing is this. The same way that you become a Christian, trust, trust, belief, trust, belief, steering wheel, God, salvation, God alone, Christ alone, faith alone, is the same way you grow as a Christian. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic? Israel comes out of Egypt because of twelve or excuse me, ten plagues that God orchestrated and God ordained. Ten plagues that God did. As soon as they get out of Egypt, they get in battle formation. Hey, God, we can handle it from here. A lot of times you become a Christian through faith, and then you think you have to grow as a Christian through your own works, through your own effort, instead of just keep trusting God. And so God will keep putting you and I in situations where there's that tension, where there's that tension. Do I agree with God? I don't think I agree with you, God. This doesn't make sense to me. Uh, God, I don't think I agree with you, God. It just doesn't feel warm and fuzzy to me, God. I don't think I... And God's like, what are you going to do in the tension? And here's what he invites us to do. Don't take the will. Keep trusting him with the will. Keep trusting him with the will. Let's pray together. God, um, one, I, I just want to pray right now because I, I, know, I know there's people in here today, this weekend, who are in that tension spot on their road trip with you. 
God, there, there's people that aren't even Christians, and the reason they're not is because that tension of trust. Can they trust? Will they trust? Should they trust? And Lord, I pray right now they just look to Jesus on a cross, and they look to an empty tomb in Jerusalem and realize that, Jesus, you're trustworthy, and they can give you their sins, and they can give you their life, and they can follow you. And I pray they'd say yes to you. Go public with baptism and get involved in your body so they can grow in their relationship with you. God, there's others of us, and, and we're just facing with something. And, God, we just don't really, in our mind, if we're being radically honest, we just don't agree with you. And it's tense. But God, that tension's designed to give us an opportunity to develop deeper, purer faith in you. So I pray, God, for anyone here who is taking the wheel back from you, they let go and surrender again. God, I, I pray for that. I pray for anyone, God, who, who's just in this tension of should I go or should I not go? Should I trust or should I not trust? God, that we could see your hand in this story this, from your word. And we would truly, truly, truly trust you and just be quiet. And let trust in you win out over all our fears and all our doubts. Over all our sins and selfishness and pride. And we would just watch and see what you do in the lives of people bold enough to trust you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.